Welcome to Schools of Thought, a podcast by Ed Essentials. My name is Hunter Flesh, and before we start today, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Schools of Thought. It really helps other educators find and connect with this podcast. We are over halfway through the school year, and no matter if you're 100% in-person, virtual, or some form of hybrid, this year has been draining. On top of that, you may have coworkers and staff that don't appreciate your positivity and actually may try to diminish it. How do we deal with people who try to take our positivity away from us? What habits can keep us in better mental and physical states? How do we overcome fear of judgment and take some messy action? To answer all of these questions, I brought in an inspiring special education teacher who is most certainly going to brighten your day with her energy, mindset, and strategies. Please welcome to Schools of Thought, Lisa Tobin. that don't know you. Tell us a little bit about your journey into education and becoming a teacher and kind of what you do now. Okay, so I did not always, actually, I had no idea that I was going to become a teacher. Um, But looking back, all the signs were there. I just wasn't paying attention to them. So um, in high school, I mean, school wasn't exactly easy for me. I enjoyed going to school, but like as far as academics, math, I don't read numbers, reading, like I never really got into reading until I was an adult, you know, Um, just school just wasn't like at the academic part just wasn't my favorite. Um, But I ended up going to college, just really not even knowing what I was going to do. I started off at the community college because I had earned the A plus grant. So I had two years free. So I'm like, I'll just go figure out, you know, what I'm going to do. And to get the A-plus grant, I had to tutor. Well, my tutoring was always in the special ed classroom. Uh, So, you know, like there's a sign right there that I didn't really listen to. And then I went to college, um, finished up the community college, and then I transferred to a private college in in the area. And I was going to go and be a psychology major. That's what I was going to do. That was the stuff that I was kind of interested in. And then my dad was always like, you're not going to get a job with that. <laughs> like, what are you going to do with a psychology degree? I'm like, I don't know. And then I was like, well, maybe I'll be a social worker. So then I took a few classes <laughs> to see about that. And then I was like, well, I don't really know if home visits are for me because, you know, they, they tell you the stories and you're like, ooh, you know, I don't really know if that's for me. And then, you know, I had all of these classes that were absolutely horrible, like none of them were even remotely enjoyable. And then my roommate is like, I come home and she has this awesome project going on. And I'm like, what is this? And she's like, oh, it's for my class. I'm like, how come I'm not doing stuff like this? (laughs) And um, ended up helping her with her project. And I think like maybe the next day I went and switched my major to education because I'm like, I think I want to do this stuff. So um, that's how that kind of happened. And actually, when I switched my major, lo and behold, that's when my GPA came up. Because during that little rough patch of college, when I transferred from the community college to the um, small private university, 
my my GPA just like went down. I mean, I had like statistics at eight o'clock in the morning, just like those absolute horrible classes. None of it was enjoyable. So of course I wasn't going to go much less <laughs> do like any of the work. Um, ended up being put on the breakfast club. That was their academic probation as like a last resort. So, you know, finished my time in that, switched my major and I ended up um, nailing, landing a job before I graduated college. Um, and I ended up winning a few, like earning a few awards, like not like academic scholar awards full of education. So that's how that came about. Um, I started out working with, um, only kids with autism. So once I figured out I was going to be a teacher, I did in-home therapy, which was a ton of fun. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how that came about. And I've been in special ed ever since. I started at elementary, traveled the middle, and now I'm at the high school. So I had the opportunity to watch a group of kids from elementary school, a little bit in middle school, and then graduate high school. So I mean, that's just awesome in itself, you know, just to see that growth mm -hmm. of students. So and that's an awesome story. And it sounds like you owe your career to the, your roommate. That must've been an amazing project because it convinced you. <laughs> Change your major. That's, that's incredible. Uh, I'm curious, what, what is maybe your, like, why did you think that special ed is the home for you? Because everyone's kind of got their own home. You know, they kind of know, oh, science classroom mm -hmm. is for me. Social studies classroom is for me. What, what about special ed made you feel like, yeah, this is the place for me. I think with special ed, like you're not tied down to one content. Like I, I'm there for them. Like I am their champion, their cheerleader. And I, I think like the setting's different. So I can put pause on everything else and take care of the human, you know? And then like, I don't teach the same thing every year. So that's cool. And what am I, I think I'm like in year 17. I've never once taught the same thing from one year to the next. Like I do not have like that file, the file cabinet where you just pull out the file for this unit. Like it's always been different. And I think that's a luxury in it too. And you know, like I, I'm somebody who gets bored easy with like sameness. So I think that's where it comes in and really just being able to form those relationships with that small group and create like a space where they feel like they're home. Um, I mean, it's just, it's, it's fantastic. Gosh, that's, and that's so different too, than just like, you know, I'm comparing it in my head to what I'm doing and it's like, okay, year one under my belt, I can build on that year two. Now I'm building on the things that I tried year one, but kind of with your role, you are growing with them. You're having to change every single day, every single year with them. And that's really, you get to be so creative with that. And that kind of feeds your passion for that creativity um, and that newness, you know? Yes. And I mean, I'm not like, I'm bound to what, what the goal is within right. my class, but it can 100% be geared towards them, you know, mm -hmm. where I can remove myself and make that 100% about them. And it's kind of, it's crazy when, when we start diving into our projects and just watching like their gears turn. And then they'll like, look at me, like, are you for real? I'm like, yeah, like if you like YouTube, we're going to be using your YouTube skills in here. Like that's that that is your role in this class. So, I mean, it's a ton of fun. That's so awesome. 
And I always feel like people that are in the special education world are like, they're kind of a different breed. You got to have this kind of energy, this passion. Like you said, you're these kids champion and that takes so much energy. Um, and that's why I love following you on, on Instagram is because you have this sense of empowerment, the sense of energy that seems boundless. Um, and so I want listeners to kind of hopefully get a hope, hopefully take some of your energy and hopefully some of it rubs off onto them. Um, but I, I'm curious. So when you're coming across people that want to maybe dull uh, your sense of positivity or this sense of empowerment or, you know, this this happiness, this energy you have, how do you deal with those people? Because I think a lot of <laughs> listeners probably struggle with that. And just education in general, we have so many Debbie Downers. And so how do you oh, yeah. how do you deal with those people that dull your positivity? Um, well, I try to avoid them, <laughs> but you know, there are those, those situations where you can't. And I think sometimes, and I mean, some people might call this kind of passive aggressive, but like, you know, those people that, um, you kind of annoy with your presence. And so sometimes I, I mean, and sometimes I do it and I don't even realize I do it until like a friend of mine points it out. I kind of like turn it up a notch. <laughs> just because <laughs> just because I mean why not you know <laughs> but you know like it, energy is contagious and I, I've been in that situation where somebody you know like why is she so cheery all the time like what what kind of juice is she drinking you know so I've been I've I've been in that situation to have like that negative mindset and, you know, the more you are around those people and the more they keep on keeping on, that's when the others start to kind of like, well, you know, maybe, maybe I'll try this and see what happens. So, I mean, you, you just have to keep going. If you need to go into the bathroom and close the door and take a minute to like regroup yourself when somebody said something not so nice that kind of gets you, you know, um, do it. But don't ever stop doing something that brings you joy because it makes somebody else uncomfortable. I mean, that's just not okay. Yeah, they'll, they'll eventually get over it. <laughs> right. And kind of as you're saying that, too, I was thinking it's usually not about you. Like you could be doing your thing. You could be rock star, killing it, doing the things that you love. And the person that's maybe trying to dole that positivity, it, it's not because of you. It's because something else is going on because some, you know, yes. it's something they're experiencing or, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's not about the person that's being positive. It's, it's usually about oh. the person that they have something going on themselves and they're taking it out on, on you. You know what I mean? I mean, 100%. That's 100%. I mean, I think anytime that you are working on yourself, whether it is maybe cleaning up your eating or doing a workout or even just trying something new, there's always going to be somebody that has something to say about it. So, you know, like, one thing that I have really tried to work on is not being so impulsive with what comes out of my mouth when something is like thrown at me from an adult, you know, but I think too, within the classroom, you have to remember you're there for the kids, not the adult down the hall that has something to say about what you're doing. If it's best for what goes on in your, in your, your room, do it you know, try it. If it works, great. If not, you always have what you were doing to fall back on and kind of tweak, but you're there 100% for the kids. Yeah. And that's the focus, right? And yes. like, we have to take away our judgment uh, of other teachers, you know, cause every teacher is different. Everyone has different things going on in their lives. You know, I'm a 24 year old guy with, with a dog 
and I might have more free time to do other things uh, mm-hmm. than than my parents who had triplets when they were both teaching. And, you know, the priorities are different. You know what I mean? So uh-huh. so we, we have to take away that sense of judgment and just accept that everyone's life is a little bit different. But um, I, I was curious just to figure out because that's something I really want to fix. You know, one day if, if I had a magic wand, I would wave. I would want to fix people's negative attitudes towards oh, other teachers. Because yeah. that's uh-huh. if we're if we're united and we're all uh, all have this sense of motivation and positivity towards the same thing. I mean, that's how amazing action gets done within schools. You know what I mean? Yes, and I, I think it's important to find your your people, like your cheerleader too. You know, like I have a few friends where I, I guess I would say two coworker friends where. I can go to them and they'll give me that feedback that I need to grow without like making me feel less than, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think that's important too, to get out of your room and find, hang out with those people, those people that are going to build you up to do this stuff. Yeah. And and also help you realize how you come off to people. Cause I'm similar to you. I've got a lot of positivity uh, and that kind of, I don't know if that rubs people the wrong way or not. I, I have no clue, honestly. Um, but you might not realize the perception you give off to your coworkers. You're just doing your thing. And so yeah. having those those people in your corner to say, hey, here's how this person might interpret what you're doing. And that might explain why they view this a certain way. Those people to help keep you in check, but also encourage you to continue doing what you're doing. I mean, that's that's powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you kind of have this term and I... I don't know much about it. I, I just saw this as sort of like a thing that you're doing on Instagram. Uh, messy action. I'm really curious. Yeah. Uh, what is that? What is this idea of messy action and how do you use it in your daily life? Okay. So I also bring this into my classroom too, because we are doing project-based learning. Um, we have a lot of things going on and I, I think people get hung up on starting something new and not starting it because they get stuck in the perfect part of it. When in reality, nothing is perfect. So when you start messy, that's when you get the clarity to move it forward. So you just got to start. Like it doesn't matter how, but if you're too busy working on making the perfect time or the perfect this or the perfect that, it's never going to happen. So you just got to start it. Like it, there, there's no perfect, just start it messy and then go from there. That's powerful. I love that because I, I always use the kind of term like I get paralyzed before I start something like I want it to be perfect right then and there. But the fact that I'm just focusing on the fact that I want it to be perfect is what paralyzes me in the first place. <laughs> and then nothing gets done because, uh, you know, mm-hmm. teachers want to be perfectionists. We want to get everything right the first time. Um, but we have to realize that we can learn through making mistakes. It's not going to be perfect the first time, but the most important thing is that you just start, you try it. Yeah. You just start. And I mean, like, as you get going, that's when you, when that clarity comes in and, you know, like that's huge, especially when we are like, there's a lot more project-based learning going in. And when the students see you trying something new and like, Oh yeah, this didn't work. I mean, we're all doing that with this virtual, with virtual learning and the online platforms and trying to figure out the best way to push information out to, to our students. And, you know, like it makes, makes you more of a human too, when you can show 
that, okay, well, I started it this way, but look, this is where I started. And now look where I am like this week and next week and the week after. And then, oh my gosh, I had like a few setbacks, but now um, I'm going to clean that up now too. Mm -hmm. So it it just like, it makes us human, you know, like messy's the new perfect. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) That makes a lot of sense, honestly. And because a lot of students think, oh, teachers have to be perfect. They don't ever make any mistakes. They should know everything. And they're just a a walking dictionary and know (laughs) everything since the beginning of time. But that's not true. And that's a lot of pressure for, and especially new teachers, a lot of new teachers listen to this podcast and they, I feel like new teachers have this sense of, oh my gosh, I have to do it right the first time. And if I don't do it right the first time, I am a failure. But that's not true at all. If you're able to realize that you can make mistakes that it's going to start out messy and that you can learn from that. That takes so much of the pressure off of you. Yes. And I feel like too on, um, on social media and I, I like, I try to put a lot of like my starts out there just so, cause I like my day one is more relatable to somebody that is like a few steps behind me thinking about it, you know? So if I put that messy action out there, maybe it'll get them to jump on and do it instead of comparing themselves to somebody who has been doing it and has only posted all of the highlights going on, you know, like their perfect classroom, like, and, you know, I got this set up and the picture perfect stuff. I mean, like, technically, this is the first year I've actually been able to decorate my classroom to make it look like more homey and inviting because mm-hmm. I've moved around so much or I taught in this room and then I have to go to that room and teach. So, you know, it's important to show like the realness, like we got to be real here. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to have an Instagram perfect Pinterest worthy classroom. Like it's just take messy action, do try something new, see how it goes and don't give up after you try it the first time. That's something I'm trying to tell myself a lot is it's okay to try something and have it blow up in your face, but you got to keep trying it because it's probably not going to go perfect the first time. So that's that's an important message. Um, and, And you share a lot about your habits that you're starting the routines that you're trying to maintain, especially within the, uh, the teacher lifestyle. I mean, I always think like, Oh my gosh, how is this person up here running in the morning? She's working out already. Like she's making me feel lazy right now. Um, <laughs> so, and there are all these positive habits though, like exercise reading that are good for you. Uh, we know those things are good for you, but what is a habit that you, uh, utilize in your life that people might not think about, uh, you know, off the bat? Um, gratitude. Mm. So I do this in my classroom as well, because this is the number one thing that can snowball into something amazing. You know, it is so important to say thank you to the stuff that is already ours. And, um, I, I bring in Denzel Washington into my classroom every year. Like we watch his, his speeches. And that is one thing that he really says. And every time I listen to him and believe me, I've listened to him like 150 million times. I (laughs) always pick up new, but that is one thing that he really, really talks about too, is you have to, you have to say thank you for the stuff that is already yours. Um, Your ideas that you're, that you're gifted say thank you for those, because that is a gift that's going to lead you to your purpose. And, you know, like the more you practice gratitude, you can literally rewire your brain to view things in a more positive light, you know, like, oh man, that sucks, but wait a second, I got this going on. So you do kind of feel like you're like this quite a bit, because Mm -hmm. I mean, we've all been hit 
with all kinds of crazy sucky stuff lately, but there's always something out there to be grateful for. So, you know, like in my classroom, that's, that's their bell work. When they come in, they do a gratitude and then we do a community building because in Canvas, that's our platform that we use to mm -hmm. push out our information. I have all of my um, transition studies classes merged together. So with, with the gratitude, they see everybody's gratitude for the day. And, you know, like that's a great start to a classroom and it kind of grounds them as well. And then we have like some silly question or just something for a community building things so they can find those commonalities. So, I mean, gratitude hands down and on those days that are the suckiest, that's the day that you need to do it the most. Like be thankful and say thank you for the stuff that you were already gifted because we got it. I mean, all of us are gifted stuff all the time. Wow. <laughs> that's so amazing that you do that with your students too, to get them to practice this sense of gratitude. And, and for you, I'm curious, what's something that you're finding more gratitude for, for yourself lately? Um, I, well, lots of things like, you know, um, the ideas that I I'm given, like I get, like I am <laughs> number seven on the Enneagram. And I, I mean, if you follow me enough, you probably pick up that I have like a little bit of ADD, ADHD going <laughs> on because like nothing's ever like it's here and there and like all over the place. But like, I have all of these ideas all the time, you know, and like Denzel said, if you are gifted the idea, you will be gifted the ability to figure it out. You just have to work at it. So that's my big thing. Like um, I get this idea and then it builds on another and then I'm switching it to see if it works. And then another idea comes. I mean, those are all gifts right there that are leading me more and more into my purpose. So that that's one thing. And then I'm also super grateful for the days where my body does what it what it's supposed to do in the mornings for my workouts or whatever, versus the days where it doesn't feel so good. So when when you have when you know, when you push yourself too hard, that's when you like you get the headaches and all of that. So like when I have a headache that cripples me, I'm like, oh, I'm so thankful for those days that I can just get up and do the stuff with minimal. I mean, not minimal effort, but it's a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I feel like gratitude that connects back to uh, what you're, what we were talking about with that uh, positivity question. Like if you're grounded in gratitude, it makes, you know, the negative things that are coming your way. It's almost like armor. It kind of allows those negative things to just bounce off yeah. um, a little bit easier. So the, th the nasty thing that a coworker said down the hall or the, the judging eyes or whatever it might be that bounces off easier. Cause you're not even focused on that. You're, you're focused on the thing that's grounding you that you're thankful for. And that's really powerful. Yes. I mean, it is hands down three things every day. And on those rough days, five, I mean, just, just do it and you feel so much better. And I mean, it's, it's, it sounds so hokey. And I tell my kids that, cause like the new ones that come in, they like, look at me, like, are you kidding me? I'm like, trust me on this. Like, just trust me on this. This is a life skill that you like every day when you come in here and you do it, but I want you to have this skill when you are out of here and are an adult and maybe you hit a low point. Like you have to have these tools to be able to pull yourself back up because nobody else is going to do it for you. Mm -mm. Yeah, that's so true. As, as an adult, it's almost like a survival skill. Like adult life is hard. <laughs> and so once you're out there, it's kind of you. And so yeah. you've got to be in charge of your brain. And, and like you said, you can rewire your brain to think and perceive things so differently once you're focused on the right things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
Very so, much so. Denzel Washington, if you're listening, uh, let's let's get a celebrity visit to Mrs. Tobin's classroom. How about that? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so I guess that really connects really well to this next question I have for you. So take us inside of your mind. And when you encounter stress or toxicity or challenges, like talk us through that rewiring process. What goes through your mind? And then how do you take steps to move forward, whether it's overcoming that challenge or just simply processing the challenge in front of you? Um, well, I think when I'm hit with that stuff, the first thing that goes through my mind is like that, mer, 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 abort the ship, like, <laughs> let's go, you know? <laughs> um, but you know, when I do hit like those really, really hard points, where you know that burnout question comes in or you know you just feel like I just I can't anymore I can't keep going like this I always go back to what do I need right now what do I need right now to move forward so and I think too like with different seasons or eras that you are in in your life it's going to look different like I completely reorganized my morning routine because it's what I needed it's what I need right now to to be, bring my best into my classroom and to my family. Um, I think that's, that's key. Like our emotions are literally just visitors and we get to choose how long we want them to stay. You know, like it's important to feel them um, and not like push them down, but we get to choose how long they stay. So feel them, move through them, ask yourself, what do I need at this moment to keep on going, find your support, do what you need to do and keep on keeping on. That's so cool because I, I was just talking to my friend Jason and I was trying to think about, you know, if, if I, we were asked to go 100% in person tomorrow, you know, for the people that were virtual and then having to switch, how would you process that? And it's, mm-hmm. it's so true with what you just said. If you get, you control how long those emotions stick around. And so if you're like, you have the oh crap emotion going through your head, you choose, okay, is this person just stopping by for dinner? Or is this person like, you know, spending a week here, like I get, but I get control over that. Like, and it's Mm -hmm. that realization of, you know, the fact that you're in control of that emotion. And that's, that's a tough rewiring. I'm curious, you know, you said you're in year 17. Have you always kind of known this? Have you always felt this way? Or when did you start to figure out that you could be more in control of that? Uh, Well, um, I'm going to give you a little bit of a backstory. Like, I think my 2012 has prepared me for 2020, 2021. That was the year my dad was diagnosed, actually 2011, he was diagnosed with cancer. And then 2012 is when, like, he couldn't fight it anymore. So I think that right there and I didn't really know it at the time because it took me a long time to process through that grief. I mean, we're talking a long time. Like I completely made myself so busy that I did not have time to really think about how horrible that was. And he, he um, passed away on March 6th and then I had a baby March 16th. Wow. So I had, I mean, it was like straight from that to, um, I'm a mom and I have a toddler. I have, you know, I'm a wife. I have all this stuff. I have a classroom, you know? So it was like no processing any of that until things started slowing down a little bit. Like my kids got older. So I think, um, you know, like going through, allowing myself to go through that emotion 
and you know the suckiness of that and trying to really process okay like why is this happening what why 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 you know I think that's kind of helped me with what's going on like being able to process what's going on now and not pushing down those emotions and keeping them like feel them let them go because they're going to come out eventually mm-hmm. and it, it goes through a lot quicker <laughs> if you just allow yourself to feel them and move them on out and keep going yeah because if you're blocking them out like it's that kind of creepy stalker emotion that's going to just yeah. keep coming back and until you like figure out how to deal with that um it's just going to keep coming back so yeah, super- and, I, and I feel like the longer you hold on to them, the the meaner they are when they come yeah, out. You know? yeah, absolutely. So and, and that's I'm so happy you said that. And thank you for being vulnerable, by the way. That's a really powerful story. So thank you for sharing that. Um, but you have to be able to let yourself feel it. That's yes. the, that's such an important key. If you don't let yourself feel it, it's just going to hurt even more later on. But yeah. if you have that mental preparedness of all right. I know I'm going to feel this emotion. Mm-hmm. I, I get to choose how long that sticks around. Like that's, that's empowering in itself, even though the emotion itself might not feel good. Yeah. And I, you know, like this, this 2020, 2021 has brought a lot of frustrations, disappointment, heartache. And, you know, it, and it goes back to, I got to feel it. And then ask myself, what do I need right now to move on? And then you do that and then you felt it and you moved on and you can keep on going, you know, because Mm -hmm. what you need at that moment is different than what you needed like last year, you know, when that frustration hit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, and again, this connects perfectly. So how can teachers, so thinking of teachers in their daily life and especially now with, with pandemic learning, how can other teachers take control of their mental and emotional state and feel more empowered or feel more in control of those emotions? Um, I think it, it, number one, and I know everybody's tired of hearing this, but you have to take care of yourself. Number one, hands down, do what you need to do. Like take care of yourself. Like for me, I get up early and at a stupid hour in the morning, but I wasn't always a morning person. I had, I had, I have had to train myself to be a morning person, but that grounds me and gets me ready. Like I, I get my mind ready. My body is ready for what's going to come at me through the day. If I stay in bed too late, then I'm waking, like waking up in chaos. So everything that happens throughout the day, I am reacting to instead of responding to. So I think that is hands down the most important thing. And I know people are probably listening and being like, but I'm so busy and I'm so tired. Let me tell you that early wake up gives me the energy to make it through the day. I mean, hands down. Um, I, that's, that's the key to, I think, energy, like drink your water, do your gratitude, read a few pages and something or listen to a podcast that's going to fill your brain with good stuff, get that mind muscle going, go for a walk, get your body woke up and then go do the stuff. So hands down, uh, you know, and I think with that, that's when you get your confidence too. When you start taking care of yourself, that's when you get your confidence and that's when you can move through those emotions, push out the they sayers and just do your thing. (laughs) Absolutely. You're making me go want to run outside right now. Um, seriously, like, and, and as you're saying that 
I think teachers are just exhausted from all the sense of change and, and difference of direction and waiting on the what ifs. Um, but if you're grounded and like you said, like this routine, this, these practices, these habits that you have, no matter what change comes, you're still kind of plugging along doing your thing. Um, so you're able to, yes, and like, no, you're good. Go ahead. And that's your consistency. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, and your certainty, like I'm certain every morning, this is what my morning's going to look mm -hmm. like, you know, I mean, I like that's, that's my consistency to keep me going. And I have 100% control on that. You know, like there's so much stuff that we don't have control over that, that can bring us down. But if you can get it in your head that you don't have to worry about those things. Like you don't have to worry about the stuff that you can't, you don't have control over. You don't, you know, because you can take charge of the stuff that you can have control over. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy you said that. That's the thing I've been trying to preach to not just myself, but others is we can't control as teachers, like whether or not we're hundred percent in person or virtual or any of that, we can't control the COVID rates. We can't control parent decisions. We can't control what our students choose to do after school, you know, all those things that we think about and we put the, that burden on ourselves, but mm -hmm. all of that is stuff we can't control. So if we release that burden off of us, now it's just kind of us and what we choose to add onto our plate. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And I think too, when you get rid of that negative, um, you know, of the stuff that we can't control that brings us down, it makes room for more positive too. Yeah. You start trying to fill your cup and, and mm -hmm. it makes blocking out those negative things easier. And you start to see the more positive things that are already around you, which is really powerful. Lisa, I feel so empowered now. I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> um, I want people to be able to connect with you and support you. So how can people connect with you? Um, Instagram is my jam. <laughs> so you can follow me over there and I am 100% there to support you as well. So I am working on developing a community, um, for ladies that are just kind of feeling stuck or, you know, they want to do the stuff, but they're stuck in the perfection part, or they don't really know how to start or where to start or when to start. So, um, I am working on developing that community, um, we do like monthly themes. So like February is going to be mindset makeover. Like let's get our mind strong so we can go out and do the stuff. So Instagram is definitely my jam. Um, I love stories. I think I probably hang out in stories, maybe a little too much. I don't know, but they're fun. <laughs> um, but I am just at Lisa underscore Tobin on Instagram. I use Twitter um, usually just for chats, mm -hmm. like the, the teacher chats. Um, you know, that's another thing too. Like when I am kind of feeling the teacher feels, if I plug into one of those, I'm like, let's go, let's go do the thing, you oh, know, yeah. because you get that empowerment because you you're with people that are going through the same stuff as you. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm on Twitter, teach underscore in underscore boots, because I do wear boots like 90% <laughs> of the time to teach. So, and then but. you've got, do you have a podcast <laughs> as well? Yeah. So I took some messy action. Um, I guess I, maybe was it, was it at the beginning of the school year? Um, I think it was. So I took some messy action and started a podcast and then I paused it for a little bit. And then I, um, kind of re, uh, rebranded it, I guess you could okay. say renamed it. So I renamed it to she elevates because we're all mm -hmm. about elevating each other. And I just started that this month in January. So they're just right now. I just have Wednesday, like a midweek pump up, like 
10 minutes, just get, get you going, get you going to make it through the rest of the week. And then I am going to be scheduling some interviews too. Um, just of some, some people that are out there doing the stuff and just, you know, like elevate each other. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, we need that, that Wednesday lull is like, oh my gosh, you got two more days to go. We yes. need that though. I'll, and I'll be sure to plug all that information in, um, into okay, the show cool. notes. Thank so people who are looking for that can connect with you. <laughs> All right, Lisa, we've got one more question. Okay. okay. So say there's a complete revision of uh, schools across the world and we decide to build a brand new education system from scratch mm -hmm. and they're selecting educators to interview and they select you uh, and you're sitting across the table from them telling this panel your thoughts on education. But the only rule is, is that they limit you to three statements uh, for how you would suggest shaping this new education system. So what would those three statements be? Okay, so let kids lead. I'm huge into that. Um, when kids take control of their learning, a whole new empowerment comes within the student and like a fire's lit and they just become lifelong lear learners. Um, the way to improve lives is to continually improve ourselves and color outside the lines. Ooh, I like those. Very empowering. I love that. All right. Lisa, thank you so much. Those are powerful and I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. It was such an honor. Thank you for listening to Schools of Thought, a podcast by Ed Essentials. Original music by Patrick Cunningham. Links to connect with us are in the show notes. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast because it really helps us out. Always bring your best and we'll see you next time on Schools of Thought.